If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Some like it hot, yeah, hey, baby. There's Some like it hot. There's a song. Bom, <laughs> what are you wearing right now? Uh, this is Han Solo. This is my R.I.P. Han Solo. Oh, Look, I think I just spoiled everybody's day. You see that? I didn't see it yet. Wow. <laughs> you actually are you wearing know, a shame fucking, on you. You're actually wearing a T-shirt. I'm wearing a T-shirt. With Han Solo on it. Uh, fucking A I am. I'm going to ask you a serious question, okay? <laughs> this is a real question. I already, serious. Know, what, I already know what the question serious is. Serious question now. Yeah. <laughs> if Han Solo really Would existed. Would that go gay for him? Yeah. Oh. If he really, was, if this? he was a real person, no. Let me ask. Let me Listen. just ask a serious <laughs> question. He's a real person. Hansel is real. Okay, you he meet is him. A real person. You meet him. He's fucking fought with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> He's Chewbacca's best friend. And you guys are drinking. Yeah. You get really drunk. Right. Would you let him suck your dick? <laughs> <laughs> wow, he thought about it. I mean, I'd rather just conversate. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, you need to feel, would, you need yeah, to feel a connection first. Yeah, I don't want. That's true. Well, it's I don't, don't want to make it a physical thing. It's official. You know what I mean? Like that just takes it a different form. <laughs> it's 2016. I want to keep it, want to keep it ha- cerebral. We have still proven we can't get through a full episode without talking about cock. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's got to say something this, about it. This, this is, is already good. set in the stage. I'm still. I'm waiting for a review that's going to point that out. Like that's, yeah. that's all we these say. Guys I really like talk these about guys. Dicks but, yeah. and cocks and balls. I'm sure, I'm sure some therapist could like. Uh, Psychoanalysis, analyze us there, right? Hey, did you work out? Well, to, you did work it's out Freudian today. on you, some level. You were doing goblet squats. You said. You said. Yeah. So today was. He uh, was doing squats where he gobbles it. Boom. Gobble, today, gobble, gobble. Today was actually the fourth time Turkey in the last uh, the seven days that I've I've hit legs. So it was kind of like an <laughs> active recovery day for me. Um, Are although, you still trying to get your legs bigger than mine? Oh, uh, just wait, dude. Just, <laughs> just are we gonna start this again? That we That's never, 2016. We, we never stopped, bro. Hey, you know, we're wearing the same size sweats, but mine are tight. <laughs> now everybody knows that's a lie. I got big legs. That's, that's a lie. Although I was watching the video the video that we just shot recently. With this and, thunderous uh, My girl said you look big. She, Which video? Oh, the last one. The one we just, She said I look big? The one that nobody yet has heard or seen yet. Your girlfriend said I look big? She did. Oh. Really? Yeah, she said you look big. And she was happy that we dropped the mic down so you could see your pretty face. Oh, wow. That's very so, nice. All the way Just down. the fact that she noticed that. She said that. I didn't say anything to her. I didn't set her up. So I'm like, okay. You guys have a lot in common, the two of you. <laughs> it's what? Her you, and I? You both like my muscles. No. Um, <laughs> he uh, likes me. That's, that's I because I, I know she's honest. So I take that as a compliment. Because oh, yeah. there was one time she said, you don't look that big. <laughs> to me or to you after I left or something like that she probably wear three shirts today uh, no the, the very first time she saw you in the gym that she thought because Instagram bro that's why you know what I'm saying like you're great with the filters you know she thought you were a little bit bigger she's like, oh. She said, oh honey I thought he bro, was bro like, I don't I don't fucking hide it you know Justin. she did, and she didn't say you weren't big you bro. My what she said was she you're was, a master of your craft honey I thought I thought he was your size and I said oh no honey no 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 no, no. Sal's not I'm Sal's I'm, not our size no I'm smaller but then of course I'm bigger <laughs> you know what I mean Ooh. boom what about you Justin do you have yeah. a do you have a little training session today yeah, man. What'd you uh, hit? Yeah, I got some deficit deads in there. I got some uh, heavy uh, farmer walks, and I got some dumbbell bench press. That's fucking awesome. Can we talk about, okay. Uh, great. Uh, I love the fact that he he's doing something like deficit deads, 
but talk about how we came about that. Why you would? Put I was going to bring it up. Okay, but yeah. t- explain why. Because I think I see stuff all the time. Right? I see people use chains now. I see people use bands now. I see people doing a lot of things, changing their rest periods and plyometric work, and everybody's kind of getting the idea that all these different modalities are somewhat important to a training program. But w- when you do certain things like that, there, there normally needs to be a there should be doesn't need to be there should be a purpose behind why I do it. So it's not like Justin just comes to the and I know this about this why I'm going to make him explain it. I know he didn't just show up to the gym and go, you know what? Um, I haven't done deficit deads in a long time, so I'm going to do deficit deads. Like, what yeah. made you decide to put that in your program? No, it's because I was I was working out the week before that with you, and uh, we were doing deadlifts, and I just you know was kind of talking my way through uh, the challenges I was having with that lift. Is for me, it was like I thought it was all psychological because I had hurt myself before, and then I was kind of getting to this point where I, I felt like I had a sticking point. And so, you know, this is why it's critical you have somebody else there to kind of point things out for you because for me, I thought my sticking point was higher and it was more towards my lockout. And Adam's like, no, dude, I think that, you know, you're strong in your lockout. Once it gets up there, it's boom, it's up. It's, it's really, it's that, it's that getting it off the ground. Uh, you know, where he sees a lot of slow movement, there. which makes a lot of sense considering you like to do so many power cleans. Yeah. Well, then that's, that's all that, it, all that's coming as soon, at the top. as soon as I said that yeah. to him, like a light very bulb, quad dominant, uh, a light bulb yeah. went in his head. I said, let's be honest. I said, let's think about this. When you're pulling the first initial pull off the floor is, is a lot of hamstring, right? You load your hamstring. It gets kind of that first engagement. Yeah, and how strong are my hamstrings? I was thinking about that. I was like, not strong. Mm. I be- I rarely do right. hands. But as, as, but soon as, his, nice. as soon as his glutes come in, and so I was telling him like, now I said when I'm watching you, as soon as that hip that hip starts to come forward and your glutes start to really fire, you're up. Yeah. But that first initial with the hamstring takes it up off the floor. You can see when you get when we start lifting really heavy, that's where it starts to lag. And you got to use the reverse uh, glute ham raises. That's yes. good for that. Yeah, I do. I do actually. And I need I need you to show me how to do that properly. I've I mean, never actually I will, used one of those before. I mean, I'll I'll do hands on. Like I'll make sure and put my hands. Wait, 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 say what again? What exercise? The, the glute ham mm-hmm. raise yeah. when you do reverse. Yeah. Ah, what do you mean? Right. I'm no, going to externally sort of probe you to make so, sure. Where you so, fold okay. your stomach. So you know back, you know back fo- extensions, right? Yeah. Okay. Reverse glute ham is the they actually make a machine for it now. Yeah. You flip the other way and you your legs over. are what come up. Yeah. But you can load your legs with weight. Yeah. Oh, so he has that where you. That's what I'm saying. You yeah, lay yeah, your yeah, stomach. Yeah. You lay your stomach yes. over on the bench, and you hang. exactly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that so I've never used it's a little it. bit S and M. I've but <laughs> I've never used it before. Um, but uh, power lifters and strength athletes swear by oh, increasing oh, their deadlifts. Serious posterior chain. Oh yeah. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, they just say in, it's it one of the best exercises sense. you could do for deadlifts. Yeah. I do good mornings, which good mornings for me. I I go light and I do full range of motion, focus on the stretches. That makes that gives me a strong. Uh, that's that's good for my deadlifts. Uh-huh. But I've never used the the glute ham raise, so I'm super. Well, pumped this is about an that. interesting topic though, too. Like, not to detract us from the Q and A, but um, from the what? Well, just kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the qua in a second. We'll get to the qua. Well, I was just gonna say, like, so that's something I noticed about myself. I want to work on going forward here. That's a weakness of mine. Like, I don't know if you guys have had. A moment of that where you've been training and you realize, well, this is something I need to address. I don't have any weaknesses. Hit us with the quad, Doug. No, no. Let, I, I tried. I, no, I think that's a great point, Justin. It's something that uh, I actually plan to bring this up on one of these episodes. But since you did go this way, um, it's a uh, it's a big thing that I've been going through this whole last year. So this, if we, if I recap 2015 of my training, um, this never looked like what it looks like right now. 
And that's not just because of uh, me following through our maps programs and, and doing everything that we've been designing. We're gonna, but not just because of that, but my whole focus when I when I got into competing and started doing that and became so aesthetic driven and trying to balance my body. Because when you're competing on stage and people are judging you and looking at you, you know the the more aesthetics is balance. I can't have you can't have muscles out of proportion. It doesn't look well on stage, and you want this look. And so for me. Uh, for so many years, I mean, I love training arms, just like probably every other dude loves to train his arms. I never touch my arms anymore. Like literally, like I, li- I do like, and if I do, it's like one exercise. I used to blast buys and tries twice a week, blast them twice a week, at least that with super setting, drop setting, all kind and like tons of volume, tons of volume. I literally now weeks will go by, but the amount of volume and frequency that I've put now on on my legs and balancing out my lower half has been a huge transition. And it's, uh, you know, and a lot of that has been tough because I don't like doing it. It's not as fun. You like to do stuff you're really good at. Like, you know, I used to love yeah. curling dumbbells way more than everybody else does and blasting these crazy workouts and feeling amazing because my arms are all pumped. And But to, to check that and go like, you know what, like if I'm truly trying to balance this physique out, then uh, I'm way behind and here and here and here. And that needs to become interest. That's hard to do, dude. It's hard to, it's not as fun. It's more fun. Let's be honest. When you lift weights to do all the shit you're good at. And of I, course. I think this is a major issue mm-hmm. that a lot of people struggle. I mean, let's be honest. If you struggle with it, you struggle with it. I struggle with it. Probably a good percentage of the people that listen to the radio show have the same thing too. You start working out, you, you just naturally navigate or, or, or uh, not navigate, gravitate, gravitate yeah. towards the, the stuff that you're good at. Because you're good at it. And that can actually be kind of a curse because you find yourself building this imbalanced physique. And imbalance, you're feeding right into the imbalance. You are. You are feeding right into it. And one, it's either going to hinder other lifts later on. Two, you're not going to be as aesthetic and as, as balanced symmetrically. Or the worst case scenario, it ends up causing injuries and muscle imbalances. Well, a lot of, of people it, don't even... Which is probably the most common. A lot of people, especially uh, the, the not so versed, don't just do what they're good at. They do what they know. It's not even that they're good at it. Yeah, they just yeah, know that's it. That's a good point. So they're like, I know this exercise, I'm going to do that one. I know that exercise, I'm going to do that one. And that's yeah. it. That's all they do. You know, cause In this order, in this sequence. And, exactly. You know, just I know that it's machine. It's familiar. It's mm-hmm. easy. I can do this it. This is why when new machines get put in the gym and old ones get taken out that do the same area, muscle or whatever, people freak the fuck out. Yeah. Because they had, they just knew how to use that one and now you took it and I don't know how to use it anymore. Um, yeah. No, I'm with you. And it's time for motherfucking quarter. Somebody who's listening for the first time is going, what the hell is quad? It's Q&A time. Q&A. All right. Nice lead into modern day dad's question about unconventional fitness. One of our one of our favorite new followers, modern day dad. Got a great page on Instagram. Oh, he's awesome. And the modern day moms too. Check her out too. Great. Great, Great page. Yeah. So he's asking about unconventional fitness. He's talking about kettlebells, uh, Indian clubs, that type of thing. And he's yes. wondering if this is just a fad, Ooh, like if it's truly functional, or is it just good as an addition to heavyweight training? Well, well I, yeah, I think I think as far as uh, that kind of equipment goes, it's it's very relevant. It's very complementary. Uh, I I definitely wouldn't throw away any of the major compound lists because that's, you know, we've always talked about this as being like one of the major bang for your buck uh, type movements. If you're looking for strength, uh, you know, basically anything to give you your foundation. Uh, and then from there, like these, these other types of things like the mace bell, uh, the Indian clubs, like 
um, they just have a lot more relevance to me for mobility, uh, for just joint health. Uh, I could see this doing this long term. Like I could see doing those types of exercises when I don't feel like doing, you know, deadlifts and squats and, you know, just the movement of it is very uh, conducive to good mechanics and oh, yeah. uh, it just keeps me loose and and, and happy and, and the, uh, the, I feel like that's that's a you know that's what we're we're seeking in fitness. Well, I like this. Qu- I think it's such a great question because I see so many people either one mus- misuse it, uh, so either just incorrectly or in you know a terrible fashion, right? Or uh, abuse it to where they get so indoctrined by the philosophy philosophy behind it or the science behind it. Because of course, if you went to a kettlebell or an Indian club website, what are they going to sell you on? It's the end all, right? That's the one thing that we pride ourselves about. Mind Pump is not ever doing that. Just even the way we talk about our programs, like there, you evolve them, you modify. But you wait change. till I come out with a product, and that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Undermine everything. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> try my Indian try, clubs because try. with my Indian clubs. But you know what? Just you the term, everything. just the way he asked the yeah. question. Okay, the term unconventional fitness. Unconventional just means what a lot of people are not doing right now. Like right. that doesn't make it better. It just means it's not what people are doing. I could uh, I could choose to eat you know a steak with a fifteen foot you know spear. That would be unconventional way to eat steak. It wouldn't make it better. So I think some people use the word unconventional and say, oh, it's different. It's better. Not always true. Now, in this case, uh, it is true in terms of the complementary aspect. But let's also remember, kettlebells, mace bells, uh, clubs were around before barbells and dumbbells. Yeah. They're actually older. So, so the, I wouldn't consider that a fad. Not a fad. <laughs> those those originate. ancient tools. The, the original dumbbell. Here's a little history. The original dumbbell was a kettlebell. A kettlebell is a bell yes. that's filled with iron. Uh, back in the day, the story goes, and this, of course, is uh, this is all hearsay. I don't know if there's any uh, real historical fact behind it, but this is what's accepted, was that people noticed that bell ringers, people that rang bells with their arms, had muscular had forearms. Arms, yeah. mm-hmm. So what they did was is they took the bell part out, the part that rings when you when you swing it, because you don't want to be ringing a bell all over the place and when you're trying to exercise. shake weight. Yeah. <laughs> And and the the bell didn't make any more sound because they took the middle out. So now it's a dumb bell, and that's where the term dumbbell comes from. Kettlebells, uh, those things all existed before weights did. Now weights uh, are never going to go away. Be, uh, you know the traditional exercises because by far they're the most effective bang for your buck. There is not there's not a single exercise that you could do that will give you the same benefit of a squat. Uh, with a barbell or a deadlift or a bench press or a overhead press. Right. You can't replace those. It's well, very difficult uh, yeah. to let's replace. Let's take that it to dispersion the dispersion of, of force. Well, know? let's take They're it to the next the level. Or the, I would say that the what is a fad is a majority of what you see in the gym. Smith machine working out, all these mm-hmm. fancy twisting and turning your fucking body when you do a chest press and doing Ooh, all, this, like that. all this yeah. weird shit. The, uh, most of what you see in the gym right now is mostly You've a seen fad. machines come and go. Yeah, exactly. Right? I'll tell you. I'll tell you those, I'll t- those are fads. You know what's on its way out? Yeah. What? Mark my words. This was a huge uh, deal back when I was managing gyms about 14, 13 years ago. It was the machine the bodybuilders were using. Everybody's looking at. You go to Gold's now and it's full of this type of machine. Uh, and it's the hammer strength. Yeah. Hammer strength machines are going to, you're going to see less and less machines, period. Hammer strength were supposedly, you know, different types of resistance. It was a different feel. Uh, the bottom, here's the truth. If I want to use a machine, I'm more likely to use a plate loaded machine 
because it's going to provide consistent resistance. I don't want a machine that tries to mimic free weights because you mm-hmm. can't mimic free weights. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah, in you the want future- a different concept, uh, you know, to well, go you with s- that. What do we see? We see uh, hoist coming in. That's the big new one now because it moves with your body, so it complements right complements that. And that's the spin on that. The spin on that is that you know it's still a fucking machine, right? No, just because it elevates a little bit when you pull in for the row, and it and it yeah. and it c- a little could, more angular sort of it, well, uh, yeah, tactics. It, and and so that necessarily is not. Uh, it just makes it another fad, like everything else that's that we see inside the gym. So what's what's rare? Is actually seeing some of this, the the better lifting and using of the kettlebells, the Indian clubs, or people just quite frankly using a squat rack and squatting well, and deadlifting you know and overhead pressing. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't know. Like if 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 you look at machines and just how uh, the, it's not easy to duplicate that like uh, over time. So the the ones like the the most simple things that we've always seen, like whether it's a TRX or even a strat, like kettlebells and like these things that are like simple enough that like somebody could like hand make it almost or like you know go into their iron shop and just you know wield it uh those are the ones that you see never going away like you see all these like wheels and pulleys and all these things like morph (laughs) you know what i mean they morph into all these different concepts and it just becomes so elaborate that people they're not that like, much different the than the original Nautilus machines. To be honest with you, yeah. And and like I said, with the plate loaded things like Hammer Strength, here's why Hammer Strength got popular. Number one, uh, Dorian Yates was a big fan of them, and that's because Dorian Yates uh, picked up from uh, you know who was Mike Mincer's uh, Arthur Jones. Well, and was let's, the, the Nautilus guy. Let's be honest. Was he was he really or was he sponsored by? I him? don't know. I mean, that's that's I don't know. Right. But here's the other thing. Here's he's the probably thing. never even used the goddamn Here, things. Here's the other thing. <laughs> Before, when you would that's use, what I wouldn't be surprised. That's what like, Bump yeah. is all about is calling all that shit out. I mean, yeah, most that's I wouldn't be surprised. Like, at all. He, like he uses that shit. Get the fuck well, out of here. He doesn't use hammer strength, but I'm sure he said it in a magazine. But guys, keep this in mind too. <laughs> Don't forget this. In the past, if you're using a machine and you're using a lot of weight, the only thing you see is the stack. With the hammer strength, I get to put plates on it, and now I get to look like I'm moving tons of weight. And right, right, right. the way they design the machines is, you can use like. I'd see dudes pressing three plates on a hammer strength chest press that couldn't fucking press one and a half plates on the oh, bench. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you want to make a machine that sells a lot of fucking machines, number one, make it look like, make it so that people can move a lot of weight. Oh. And number two, make it feel easy. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty much what the breakdown here's is. Here's where I see, like, and we're talking about, like, what's going to last. Like, I don't think a lot of tech is going to last. Like, we've tried various forms of it to infuse that into what we're doing like the air pressure machine. it's just remember like those ones remember the yeah. pneumatic remember that yeah, well, it's just were, all these distractifying air. tools and all these things you know they're they're great and they're novelties but you know what will stick is actual metrics that are different or metrics that you can apply into your workout that gives you real right, feedback. right the tools are going to be the real old school tools. feedback the, exactly the tools will be old school but now you get like tangible. God, what a metrics. great, what a great point. That's you couldn't be so right on right there. Hundred percent, dude. That's that you is, know that you know the gyms. What did Gold's just? What are they getting in? Like four platforms. Platforms. Like platforms are that those existed before any machines did. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't see. I don't see any. I, I think the future gyms are going to have less machines, except for the shitty ones like Planet Fitness. But I think they're going to. You're going to see <laughs> less machines, more free weights, more kettlebells, more Pizza. clubs. You know, smaller gyms, but better ways to, to like Justin said, to measure, measure, to measure what measure. you're doing, and to, to be more accurate about you know how you are, what what modality are you currently training in? Yes. That to me is like I I watch people lift, and I feel like 
every person that I, and I'm such a people watcher, right? This is what I do between my rest periods. I, I stare at everybody just so you guys know. And then I come on here and talk about you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what I noticed <laughs> He's is He's not that, kidding. They listen to Mind Pump. They know is, you do this that. Is what, this is what everybody does. <laughs> well, you know what? And, and I feel okay about saying it because I'm the, I was the same way too. You know, you come into the gym and you get into your patterns and your routines. You have your machines or you have your, maybe you're a good squatter and deadlift or two, but you have your things that you do on a regular basis. And you, it's really hard to learn how to pull yourself out and look at yourself and say, like, how long have I been kind of training that way? How long have I been resting the same periods, lifting at the same intensity level, training for the same? Like, everything is starting to look the same. And what I'm really good at, be, I'm, I'm getting really good at just, just working out, and that's it. And I'm kind of getting in this, which is fine if your goal is to just do that. But most people are in the gym trying to make progress, whatever their fitness journey is, whether it be in performance, whether it be in aesthetics, whether whatever it is, most people are in there working towards something. But a lot of people don't realize they're caught in the like wellness aspect of it, of just kind of going through the motions and the movement. Mm -hmm. So I, I think having having tools that will measure that and track that will be more glaring. And the feedback is I what I people wait. need to be told that like something yep. digitally that says like, mm -hmm. yo, bro, look down at your phone. And you're like, uh, that's the seventh day in a row that you've been working at 75 percent intensity and resting at 60 seconds and stuff like that. Trying just to be switching that shit up. You should be over here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it makes it easier for coaches, makes it easier for the person to understand what's going on. You know, it'll and, give people better. Plus results. you get. Yeah. And then you get a backlog of like all kinds of information that you can actually really assess and diagnose like what's going on. Great point. Future mm -hmm. fitness right there. Less, less shit, more, more tech there there, as far as matrix, go, yeah. metrics go. Next question. Mitchell Cochran. He's asking if it'd be worth getting certified just to educate himself uh, rather than to become a trainer. Sure. Um, it's a great way to educate yourself, but it's, an ex it's kind of expensive. I think that like yeah. a cheap certification will run you like 600 bucks now. Well, it's like me getting a college degree and you guys not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who cares? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to learn. Uh, you can learn quite a bit on your own. You can. Actually, you can learn it all on your own. All the information's out there. Look, if actually, uh, you could probably Google um, or go on. Yeah, I'd say you could probably Google you know, NASM textbook for sale and you could probably find it for real cheap it. Yeah, and just read it. Well, uh, honestly, uh, if, if you don't have any sort of aspirations ever going towards being a personal trainer, then it, it probably is worthless because most of the certifications are kind of like what we, all right. the stuff we already talk about, but then they, they gear safety tape. Exactly. There is, yeah. there is, there's safety tape and there's things that are conflicting. So, uh, I mean, if you're just purely getting it for education reasons, honestly, I mean, and not to not to sound vain, but you're going to be better off just listening to us. Actually, you I know, mean, and asking good questions on here, like you always do. I mean, uh, Mitchell has always got great questions on here, and yeah. and I know you're a forum member too. So continuing to, to yeah. cha challenge challenge us that way. If there's things you want to know more, I, I promise. I mean, shit, I mean, we want to know more. I, I, had, it, I, it, I think I've learned more yeah. in the last year. As far as the acceleration of knowledge, I mean, obviously I had a whole bunch of it coming in before, but I feel like we've even forced ourselves to grow more because we're trying to stay on top of the cutting edge stuff. I mean, right. so we're always like, well, that's what we're seeking. So our, our level of involvement with that is really just trying. And, and I, I do feel as far as 2016, we're going to try and aggressively go find in more interesting people that have things that will help us like expand on our knowledge base as far as fitness, health, wellness, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's really just the pursuit of it. I mean, you, you seeking that out, there's lots of information out now that is easily like more readily accessible, uh, that I feel like it's all there, you know, or even just showing up to these seminars. Like what I used to do after I got out of the certification mode was just, 
look for like events and, and seminars and like kettlebell uh, workshops and things like that. And I would just pop in and pay whatever price I was going to pay uh, for the certain ones that gave me the most interest. And I'm a real hands-on guy and that's where I learned the most. I would say this too. This popped in my head. If you've got, you know, if you're thinking of investing in a certification, which will cost you maybe 600 bucks, you're probably, you get much better uh, knowledge out of it by taking that money and spending it on a very, very good coach, a very, very good personal training coach who then can train you with the understanding that he's going to teach you, he or she's going to teach you also. So find someone who's good. That's not that easy though, let's be honest. Well, I'm just saying, find someone who's good. He, he knows, you know, it might take you a little while, but you find someone who's good and you find out what they know and you know their background and experience and tell them, look, I want to hire you, but I want to hire you to train me, but also to learn from you and how you train people. Um, and you would get more out of that if you found that person than you would in a certification, in my opinion. I No, I agree. I, if, there's, if there's no desire to ever train, then it's kind of a waste of money, you know, yeah. and that only because of that, because you're not going to you're not going to put it towards making money. Right. Uh, the amount of knowledge in there, like Sal was saying, and Justin, you 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 are better off dropping into seminars, you know, searching out the information through somebody else. Yeah. But if you were ever, but I mean, if it's an accomplishment, he wants to, you know what yeah, I mean? And like it, it feels well, like, and if it's something that you may possibly, you may possibly yeah, do. Cool. Maybe right now you don't think you're going to, but you think like, well, maybe I will. Maybe I'll yeah. fall in love with this after I get certified and want to do it. This is what usually happens. Yeah, too, exactly. So if you yeah. see yourself as potentially being that person then absolutely i think it's a great idea to go do that because you it may open a new door yeah, for it's you. a great career even if you're already in a career you yeah. know what i mean some people like move ship like it doesn't even matter that's the beauty of this industry is that like my dad for instance say he's retiring he could get into the fitness industry right that yeah. that that is there and it's open for people that's right so next question from saints fan bob the best way for an obese female to lose weight when she hardly eats anything. Uh, well, uh, metabolic damage. Me, yeah. So f- before we go into that, um, does she for sure not yeah. eat anything? Have her track for at least two weeks. Number one, because I've yeah. met lots of people like I barely eat anything. And then you really pay attention. You're like, actually, but maybe you're drinking everything in. Right. Yeah. You're actually consuming quite a, you know, more than you're burning. But let's say that that's true, and it's rare. I'm going to tell you something right now, uh, Saints fan Bob. It's uh, it's actually metabolic damage or adrenal fatigue or whatever is more rare than someone miscalculating their calories and oh, their activity. Abs- oh, if you compare it to that, yeah, it's way, yeah. way. But if you more, do find nine, them- Nine times out of 10. It's the other stuff. It's people just right. don't realize how little they move- And how much they- And eat. how much they yeah. consume. There right. you go. That's another good point. Though. But let's the say- The movement part. Let's it's say she does have it. that. Let's say she does have metabolic damage. Uh, you're going to have to focus on a building up your metabolism and it's going to take you a while. So really it's- I would say forget about losing any weight and just focus on improving your health through eating healthy food that's mm-hmm. good for you. Forget about calories for now, just stuff that's good for you. And focusing on resistance training should be your main focus. Two or three days a week in the gym with weights, traditional straight sets, get stronger so you can lift more weight, Start do more reps. Slow. Start yeah. slow, build up your metabolism. It's going to take you a while. It could take three to six months. Some people it takes longer. <clears throat> To get to the where their body stops being so damn slow in terms of metabolism. Well, I'm going to take it one step further, uh, just because this is very close to home with me. I get a lot of clients actually like this um, that uh, that they, they do have metabolic damage. Like Sal, like I was saying, Sal, though nine out of ten times it's somebody who just can't count very well, and more often than not, 
it's the a movement issue, especially when it's an obese person. Because let's be honest, the the heavier you become, the less of you know, the the more work it is to actually move your ass around, and you subconsciously find ways to do less and to and to move less because of that. It's amazing. A lot of times, any of my clients that are, are would be considered clinically obese when we're pushing those numbers, their steps are like literally less than like two thousand in a day. Yeah. I mean, that is like crazy low and now as americans we we're already low like around the four thousand number as it is so someone like that before i even tell yeah, it's her it's hard not to do ten thousand just you know walking around exactly right it's crazy and that's that just could that all and that's always why it's so glaring it's also why i'm a huge advocate for people especially somebody like this to own a wearable to get a tool i i would highly recommend you know a wearable whatever brand i mean i'm a fitbit guy justin likes the uh the um basis which, watch the basis yeah. watch um, you know, they're, uh, you don't want to, you want to, you want one of the more credible ones like those because the, the ones that might be a little bit cheaper aren't as accurate. And I would start tracking, uh, her movement and having her log her food. And I want to see where her baseline is at. I want to be able to look at it. If she really cares about changing her life, she will make this step where, okay, you, you download an app like my fitness bell or fat secret. Both are good apps for tracking food very user friendly super easy while you're sitting there stuffing your face you could be typing in exactly what you're consuming and it populates and calculates for you and once she's done that and tracked it for a week or two for me then i can look out and see that and then if she's got especially if she's got a wearable i can see at her activity level and more often than not i get someone who's like 260 pounds and they're moving a thousand to two thousand steps a day and they're eating about 2,500 calories, which yeah. is not a lot of calories. But it is if you don't move. It is oh, yeah. if you don't move, you know. And if well, your metabolism is now slow. Yes. Because of, yeah. These are so, such perfect, like, metrics, though, for a person just starting out, like steps. Right. I mean, even for everybody else, like, it's, you know, they come and go. Like, we kind of get excited about it. And they're like, yeah, you know, yeah, okay, I get it. I get my routine. For people that, like, they need help like this. Like, they have, like... You know, well, they think it's just based off their eating and it's just like it's eye opening. It, oh, yeah. It's it's revolutionary. It's something that like they found out something about themselves that like, OK, now I can control this and I could just do this little amount. I do 500 more steps. You know, I'm going to be way better off. Mm-hmm. It's a it's the first way I actually coach anybody is I break them all the way down, figure out what they're eating. Then when I start them back up, we folk before we even talk about weight training and lifting weights. We actually focus just on their movement and their activity level, just teaching them how to be aware of how little they move and how important it is that they just create more movement in their lifestyle. And I find it a much easier way to coach people, especially when we talk about somebody who's obese and just getting started and already feels like she doesn't get to eat very much. It's a very it's a uh, very sensitive person to have to deal with, male or female. Um, and it, it, they're, they're very delicate because they can easily get pushed the wrong direction really quick by a bad trainer or they could have a very bad experience or they could get very frustrated because they work so, so hard and then they find themselves a month later. Nothing. And, yeah, with yeah. a pound down or that's it. And they're like, I starved myself. I killed my body seven days a week for a month to, to be 259 pounds. Fuck it. I'd rather eat all the donuts and McDonald's and not move as much and be a pound heavier. What do I, why am I doing this? And at this rate, it'll take me the rest of my life. And that's what they start telling themselves. And it's, so it's a very delicate situation. And no, man, you focus on getting healthy yeah, first. Yeah, e- eating, exactly. Lifting weights, traditional style, and that's it. Start with that. And then you're, and as things start to pick up, then you can start being a little more specific with your diet and your exercise. But start like that. 
if you if you if you're literally one of those people with that kind of metabolic damage. Well, when they, I want to go because um, this is this gets asked a lot. We get a lot of people asking about metabolic damage, and I feel like we've already talked about it a couple times, but I feel like it's such a good topic. Uh, one because it's there's a lot of controversy behind it. Some people don't believe it exists still. Some mm-hmm. people think that. There well, it's the, not medically accepted. It's, yeah, it still isn't. So. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. So it, it is one of those terms that it, we're in that gray area still. But I'll tell you right now, I've dealt with it hand on where I've had some all trainers have who is 260, 300 pounds and is li- literally eating two, three times a day of hardly any food. So what Sal was saying about getting healthy. So after I've had and this is important that they track their food so I can see what they are currently doing. So let's just say hypothetically that she's eating really low, way lower than what I even said. She's only eating eleven hundred or thirteen hundred calories. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to break down what t- where her 1,300 calories is coming from and do exactly what Sal did, is teach her how to eat healthier, more balanced. That's, that's what the Nutrition Survival Guide is all about. That's why we created that, was we didn't create a diet for you to lose weight. Here, follow us with it, or here's a diet to build muscle. We have a goal calculator in there that you input your numbers, and you can create your own goals based off your calories, but it's to teach people how to grocery shop and how to eat balanced and eat the right way. Once she's now, I'm now I take those calories that she's already currently doing, and I'm not going to bump them or increase them or, or decrease them quite yet. I'm going to mirror them, but with the better, better, healthier choices. And I'm just going to get her moving a little bit more. That right there alone already starts to change things right away. And, and even people with the most damage, I already can start to see the difference in their energy levels and how they're feeling. And most, quite frankly, most of them already can feel the kick up in their metabolism just by getting, because most of those people are very off on their balance of nutrients. They're yeah. lacking probably some good healthy fats. They're not getting enough of protein. The, the the calories are mostly consumed by sugars and artificial foods and just shit. Or, right. you know, it's so... Getting getting them balanced out, like Sal was saying, but that's how I how I would do that, and that's what that, that guide was originally for. That seamlessly leads into our next question from Modern Day Dads: Can you really eat donuts, pop tarts, and junk food, lift heavy, and still be aesthetically uh, looking and look solid without being? I can't even on remember gear own, on gear you mean, like, like every day. Well, here's the first. Here's the first thing: Can you really? Uh, I mean. There's is people it, that can. Is I'm it sure. possible? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, is it possible well, that I might get in a fight with the world heavyweight champion in boxing and might throw a lucky punch and you know knock him out? I, yeah, but you know, maybe one out of a million times. So, <laughs> well, it, I heard. Uh, I heard actually in Russia they like uh, their weight training, Olympic weight training. They would um, basically the coach had them train all year round, every single day, and would have them eat candy. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. I, yeah. Here's the thing. Um, it, it might be possible, but it won't be easy. It'll be very, very difficult. And for those that can get away with eating shitty like that, or who do the, they take the, if it fits your macros to the millionth level and squeeze in all that crappy food, they're, they're not going to be healthy. Yeah. Um, definitely not in the long term. And I want to see if they're able to maintain their aesthetics, you know, for 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, I highly doubt it. So it's, it's, you're going to do it the hard way if you do it that way. That's for sure. Well, First, I mean, it definitely exists. Uh, an example of somebody that exists is our buddy Joe Donnelly. Uh, Joe Donnelly is not on gear. Uh, the guy eats pizza. The guy drinks. The guy does a lot of things like that. He also burns about 7,500 calories a day. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say he's the healthiest person just because he aesthetically looks that way. Um, I don't have the proof either way. But he's, a, he's also an anomaly. He's one of the few people that I've ever seen be able to eat and consume that high of a caloric intake like that of those types of foods and still have a, a aesthetic great physique. So like Sal's saying, they're, they're rare. 
The problem is with the like, and it, you definitely should listen to our uh, if it fits your macros uh, episode that we did back. That was like very beginning, right? Like around mm-hmm. episode thirty or forty, yeah, somewhere around there. there, somewhere around there between twenty and fifty. We did uh, we did an episode on if it fits your macros, and you know the biggest problem that we all have with it is you know people like our buddy who who does he posts. He posts stuff like eating a whole pizza. Well, that's okay. When you're 265 pounds of raw muscle and you train and you burn about 1,500 calories in a workout, which is crazy, um, and then you also work 10, 12 hours a day uh, and you're burning that much, yeah, you could definitely get away with consuming 2,000 calories of, that are terrible for you in the day because let's be honest, that's not even half of his intake. Right. But since that's the complete opposite of 90% of the Americans out there, that's the reason why I've always had an issue with trainers and celebrities and people posting all the donuts. And dude, I eat a donut. I had a donut probably about a month ago. Yeah, but we got to be clear though. That doesn't make it healthy. No, ex- exactly. That and that's the difference. Is is because you can be you can look aesthetic. Yes. You can be ripped, but you could also have poor health. That yeah. and that's you know? where I'm going with this is that you you can most certainly do those things. But what we you don't know what we're doing inside, and and you most certainly should be able to figure out that if you calculated what a dozen of donuts is, and then if you switch that over to, you know, chicken, broccoli, and you know whatever rice and veggies, all kinds of stuff, you know, and fruit and all those foods, and you did two thousand calories that you can't possibly tell me they both benefit the body the same way. Now, what we have learned in science. Is that well, you, you're going to be micronutrient deficient in a lot of ways, and that, and this is where you know this is the, this is the thing. If you ate 2,000 calories of pizza and 2,000 calories of the fruit, the vegetables, the the good the good uh, whole foods that I'm talking about, and you compared them on that level, you actually those two things they equal the same from the aesthetic world. From the aesthetic world, they are the same. If I'm macro like a, to macro, yeah, exactly. If all I care about is my biceps and my chest, and and I can follow this, it fits your macros to do that. Absolutely, you can do that. But we don't know what you are doing to your body inside right. long term. Well, we do know. We do know. Well, but yeah, I'll, do. I'll take it even a step further. Yeah. Uh, you're you're still gonna not gonna look as good as if you eat. No, you're right. If you eat yeah. really you're healthy. You're right. I told you. I, and, I did a show where I compared just by introducing right, protein bars. Right. And I'll tell you something. I know. Bags under the eyes, unhealthy. And I know breath. a lot of people, guys. A lot of people. I came up through the fitness industry very young and, and with some peers that were young. We were all very into fitness and we all took lots of supplements and we all got away eating shitty because, you know, we burned a lot of calories and some of us were on gear and some of us weren't. And now when I keep in touch with these people who are now in their mid thirties, uh, God, seven or eight out of 10 of us have food intolerances. So all of a sudden we can't eat this. We can't eat that. I have gut issues. Uh, some of us have other autoimmune issues that developed skin issues or joint issues. And I can, I, I, I mean, I don't have the, the proof because I haven't tested them, but I can pretty much guarantee you it was the result of that lifestyle that we had. Yeah. So um, and again, are you going to look as good? No, nothing looks as good as healthy. I don't give yeah. a shit how fucking ripped you are. If you're not healthy on the inside, you just don't look as good. I've seen so many of these people up close in person who are ripped and on shit tons of gear. And I look at them. I'm like, you just don't look healthy. Like tired and beat. Yeah. yeah you can just like, tell on their face. They just yeah. don't look good. And some of these guys that get all massive, it's like your face looks like it's going to have a heart attack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your <laughs> eyes are all shot. And- you know exactly what I'm talking about. So. Oh, yeah. Um, can you do it and look a certain way? Yes. Will it be much more difficult? Way harder. And uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, and if you're just into how you look and you don't give a shit about your health, this is probably the wrong show to listen to. I know. <laughs> yeah. 
Go listen to Shreds. <laughs> <laughs> Our final question is from K Rock. And we often talk about how it's important not to train to failure. And when she tells people, nobody believes her. So she's wanting to know how she can explain it. Uh, anything. So here's the thing. Uh, you, you can use this as an example. Um, if you ever look at, let's say, a mailman or a cyclist's calves, they probably have really muscular calves. I've seen a lot of them like that. Or you like this analogy. Or you look at uh, third time. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, you look at a. Well, no, mailman? I'll explain why. Yeah, no, it's true. I'll tell you it's, why. It's, no, you look at a, true, you look at a plumber's forearms, very muscular. Contractor's forearms. Yeah. Right. None of them do or their alone doing work. Yeah. None of them do their work to failure. Okay. None of them do their work to failure. So failure is not necessary to elicit uh, changes in the body. But here's the other thing too that you want to consider. If let's say we compare failure to stopping two reps short. And let's say failure sends a 5% stronger, which is a lot, but let's say it sends a 5% stronger signal to build weight, to build muscle than stopping two reps short. You've got that, which is great, but then you've also got to now encounter the central nervous system hammering effects and the damage effects that happen from going to failure that overshadow that. So mm. you can have the loudest signal in the world, but if your body is just worried about repairing, um, then it doesn't really matter. And going to failure, it's very difficult to train with enough frequency when you train to failure. That's the other thing, too. We realized a long time ago as trainers, and, and those of you who've been training for a long time can attest, you know, people tend to do better training a body part a little bit more frequently. And going to failure on my legs for six sets, three days a week, is too much. It's just going to be too much for most people. It's not going to work. But stopping two reps short, I can get away with it and progress very well, rapidly. Well, let's be honest. The people that really seem like they benefit from this type of training, it's people that are young, so their hormone levels are through the roof, or they're on extra hormones for recovery. That's really the only way right. it's like working out. Like people that are, you know, well, even then, beating themselves up every single time, day in and day out, like... They're not going to see a whole lot of progress. Even then, even then, it, it kind of reminds me of the last question with the if it fits your macros question. Like you can do it. There's lots of guys. We have lots of buddies that train that way. That train always to failure. That's oh, yeah. their mentality is to is to to beast mode all the time. And yeah, I mean, I wrote a post on this a while back. Why I used to hate that. It annoys the shit out of me because it's not. Here's the deal. It's not the most effective way. Just like go. the IIFYM. That's a good answer. Okay, IIFYM is yes. You absolutely can follow that way of eating and getting ripped shaped. Absolutely. Is it the healthiest way? Absolutely not. And we do have science to prove it's not the healthiest yeah. way. But you can argue that it's effective and you can get it done. So is training to failure. Training to failure is, yeah, you can train to failure and that there's things that stimulate because of it. And there's, there's ways that your body will adapt and grow because of it. But is it the most effective way to do that? Yeah. Absolutely not. There's and a much maybe more, maybe it's short term and it's quick. So yeah. you get quick results. And, well, that's and just like, just like the analogy I'm giving with the fits for your macros, it's the stuff that's going on inside that people don't really realize where they're, where they're losing out on that. And you're losing out on the training to failure. You're frying your central nervous system for, First of all, by, by doing that. Plus, you can also track and try this. And this is what I used to tell people. So I didn't have the analogy Sal used. So before Sal existed, when people would talk to me about this, I would explain to somebody, break it down from a volume perspective. So volume will make it. I don't, I don't make know it, of pre-Sal. Yeah, 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 yeah before pre-Sal. So if you sat down and I calculated, so let's just use like a muscle group. We're going to do chest. And that's these guys trained to failure ah, every, all the way through. And they do four different exercises. They do incline, flat bench, decline, and they do chest flies. Those are their big movements they do, right? And they do five sets of five, whatever it is. Well, 
by the time they get to their second exercise, they're probably almost completely fried from the, the very first one. So then when they get to the second one, all these secondary muscles have to kick in to help out and, and to push this weight up and stuff. And what ends up what ends up happening when you look at the amount of volume that your chest can end up handling, it really always ends up being the same or you could probably do a little bit more by not going to failure. And that's how I always got guys to do it. I'd be like, all right, check this out. I know you're big on the failure thing, right? But I want you to pay attention. And we're going to do And I asked them normally what their chest routine was that they just did before. And I already know that they train like failure because everybody does this. And so then I go, okay, so today I'm going to title today's workout two in the tank. I don't want you ever to go beyond knowing that you could still do two more reps. If you know that you can do two more reps, you stop right there. Don't ever take it to a point where you think you might not be able to at least get one more because then I know you're not really doing that. And I say, we're going to, we're going to follow your exact same chest routine. And then by the time we get to the second or third exercise, they're pressing more weight or they're doing more weight than they, they just did on the, the previous time that they worked it out. And I'm explaining to them, that's because you're not fried. Because you're not fried from the first two and you're actually allowing your body. Now you can actually handle a little bit more weight. And then when you have mathematically break it down, we end up doing more volume. It's a huge, it was one of the biggest paradigm shifts for me Mm -hmm. is to realize that. The second I stopped going to failure, instantly I built muscle. Literally, the second week of not going to failure, I was getting stronger all of a sudden. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And I can't tell you how many people I know who are very experienced, you know, in the gym, worked out for years. I convinced them to do this. They All they do is change that. They don't even change the routine. They just stop going to failure. Every single one of them starts progressing. So um, you just got to try it. And it's funny to me. It's like whenever you, you you present something with some scientific basis and experience and the person's so fucking afraid to try it for a couple of weeks, like what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> like you're already not progressing. Yeah, what's going to happen right. next couple of weeks? You're not going to progress still? Fine. Yeah, but dude, I could do like, you know, 400 pounds. Right. I could do it. Right. So, so it's like, try it and watch what, and just see what happens. And people are shocked. They're shocked. Look, your body has to fight between recovery and adaptation. And if you give recovery, you make recovery the priority, you're not going to adapt. Your body's just going to try and heal the whole time. It's not going to try and get stronger. It's not, it doesn't have the ability to. You want to make adaptation the priority. If, if working out was super easy, but that was the best way to get your body to progress, and that's the way you fucking work out. If you're just going to the gym because you like to beat yourself up, then stay home and punch yourself in the head and run into the wall. I don't know. Do something else that beats you up because you're wasting your time. You know what I'm saying? And your gym membership. You're wasting it. You're there to progress and adapt. Then do what gets you to progress and adapt. And if you're spinning your tires in the track and slamming your head against the wall and nothing's working, it's time to change it. And I guarantee you, a lot of the you hardcore people who are listening, a lot of you gym rats are over applying intensity and not applying enough frequency. Switch those two around and watch what happens. If you want to be a real dick about it, get ask him ask him why they're not changing for the last six months. <laughs> yeah, why aren't you progressing? Well, if you're doing this failure thing all the time and it's supposed to be so great, how come you look the same as you did six months ago? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this as trainers: uh, If I gave you a totally deconditioned sixty-five-year-old woman, um, could you train her properly, but and get away with an everyday workout? versus would you be able to train her to absolute failure for 30 minutes? Which one do you think will kill her first? Oh, yeah, that, yeah exactly, exactly. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I can, yeah. You can over-apply intensity oh, yeah. easily, way easier than frequency just because people have a time constraint. Well, that the problem, you, I mean, you've said this before about the different, understanding the different recovery systems, what's going on, that there's, there's one where the body is trying to adapt and then there's one where the body is trying to recover and it's completely separate. 
systems. And, and what happens when you focus so much on blasting yourself, everything gets prioritized to just trying to recover, just trying to recover versus adapting and growing. And in fact, if I hit something so hard that three, four days later, it's still sore. Most people still think that's awesome. They're like, oh my God, I got a good one this week. It's mm-hmm. there. I did legs on Monday. It's Friday. I can fucking still feel them. Like to me, that was a failure. If I did that, I'm like, I way overdid it. I, yeah. I did not yeah. need to do that because Overexerted what myself. I would rather have done was hit my legs on Monday than come right back again Wednesday right. and still feel then you're less productive. Yeah. yeah. And you and I would get way more benefits having having a workout that I didn't even get sore of on Monday, be able to come in on Wednesday and then be talking about it on Friday as I'm getting ready to hit them a third time. How wonderful would it be if it was just as easy as beating yourself up in the gym? <laughs> I'm serious. Like yeah. everybody would be in great shape. That's easy. Yeah. Any anybody can do that. No, it takes there's a lot more that goes into it. And unfortunately, you know, the top people in sports, the top people in bodybuilding are those genetic anomalies, are those one percent of one percent, and their what they do with their workouts unfortunately becomes the, the you know the truth that everybody believes in, and so Mister So and So, when uh, in fact they have nothing in common with you, zero shouldn't be giving zero. you any of their stuff that they're doing. zero. I have zero in common with yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger's genetics. Yeah. Zero. Right. He had ridiculous genes. Exactly. He could get away with crazy. I have nothing in common. My body is much more like the average person, and my and I probably have better genetics than the average person. But I'm not in that one percent of one percent, and most of you guys listening don't either. Yeah, so, no. but don't tell me I got limitations, man. No, you're killing yourself with because you believe that you can train like some of these people and get away with it. You don't. You're not. And if you're not progressing, there's your evidence. Yeah. Yep. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to Mind Pump. Leave us a five star rating and review. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.